0: Uh, and as I got my license, for some reason, that car became like the dream is to have a Woody station wagon. Um, I think it's a Chrysler town and country. Um, and it was always sitting in the same spot in these people's driveway. Uh, and so I actually went and asked them about it uh, and found out it was sitting there because it didn't work. <laughs> so I never moved. Uh, and they uh, said they were willing to sell it to me. And so I was thrilled. I was 16 years old and I didn't understand totally how money worked or how much things were. And I'd saved up a little bit of money, um, probably not even $100. And so the guy um, decided he was going to check into how much it was worth. And he got back to me and I now I know he wanted a lot more. He said it was a collector's item, uh, collector card. <laughs> so he wanted a couple grand for it and it completely destroyed me. I just remember being so excited about it and telling my friends, I'm gonna buy that car and we're gonna drive around it and it's gonna be the coolest thing ever and we're gonna make mixtapes uh, and just have the the time of our lives. We can pack so many people in the back of it. Uh, I think this is one there where the seat flips backwards. So you can look out the back. I was just thrilled with this car. I really don't know why. I think it was just because I saw it. Um, And then I was destroyed when I couldn't get to it. There's this like gap between me and my Chrysler town and country. uh, That was money mostly. (laughs) Uh, And then my dad's like, I don't think you should get a car that doesn't run. Uh, And I was like, what do you know, dad? We'll just fix it. And he's like, how do you do that? And I was like, I don't know. You'll do it. Uh, And he was, I think, trying to be a good dad and say, (laughs) Ah, maybe we consider a car that runs. Uh, And it's not a collector's item. (laughs) I think this guy's trying to make money off you. Uh, And I was just hurt by this. And I I really remember sitting. It's like a thing you keep dreaming about and looking forward to and something you just think like, this will fulfill me in all ways. I will finally be free to to drive around by myself and hang out with friends. And uh, I can work more at my job. Uh, to pay for cool stuff and um, all those things, it felt like just freedom to me. And in the moment of like, I don't have the money, and my dad crushed my dreams because it doesn't run. All these things, it felt like there was a giant gap. And I really kind of felt like this. I made you a little diagram. This is me. This is me in high school, and this is my '89 Chrysler <laughs> Country. It felt like this, like this huge valley had opened up, and I went like, I'll never see you. I love you, Tonic Country. How do you drive by it and go like, I miss I miss you. I took pictures in front of it um, with friends. We just like snuck in this guy's yard and took pictures with it. Um, but I never got it. I never owned that car. Uh, that car probably never was owned by anyone else, I would guess. Uh, I later actually was um, given a car, which is incredible. Uh, one of my dad's friends knew that I needed a car. And he said, hey, I have an old I think it was a Corolla. If you want it, you can have it. It doesn't work real well. Uh, he gave it to me. He fixed it up. It was this incredible gift. But I had this, this yearning for my Chrysler Town and country forever and this gap. Uh, which you've probably had that maybe in your life. Uh, something you just hope for and wish for and even are, are like almost certain it's yours. And then it doesn't come and it like creates, it's like the ground falls out between you and it and it just isn't obtainable. It's something that you'd always wanted, couldn't get. Today we're going to experience and, and see in the book of Romans how this really gets filled in, how God does this for us in a lot bigger way than a 89 town and country. And I think it's something that we see the world. This is a picture of the world, if you're unaware. Uh, I think there's lots of things that I look for, that I, that I pursue in many different ways, and I hope uh, each day, Almost as if I drive by them and go like this, I need you, your your mind. And they're actually a lot bigger things. They're actually uh, a lot deeper things within my heart that aren't just a car that would give me freedom, but things that I feel like will give me things like safety, or things that would hopefully make me feel loved or secure, or even just a purpose. I just want to feel like I have a purpose. Some days I just want to see order. Uh, it feels chaotic around me, and I want to see order or even a future. It's hard some days. It feels maybe hopeless about a future. And so I think the world around us we see in Scripture uh, reminds us, Scripture reminds us that we we pursue these things. And we look for these things. And thankfully, God has given us an answer to this. He's really given us an incredible gift that fulfills these things in a way that really nothing else can. Many things I pursue might I might think they do and they don't. And so today we get the opportunity to look at that as we're in the book of Romans. What does it look like to really be fulfilled in that, to really really land uh, with something that actually makes us the people that we were created um, to be? So we are in the book of Romans. We just started it back up. We're reading through this book for a while here at Hope. uh, And we're in our second uh, section of it. Uh, we just started yesterday uh, last week, not yesterday. Last week, we looked uh, kind of overview of one through four, and now we're hopping right into five today. And so, this series we have four parts. Today, uh, we're we're just entering again into the second part of this. We'll be doing this through next summer, um, and uh, this part we're calling "How do we live then?" So, out of the the first part, we understand the good news, the gospel. What does it look like then to live? Out of that also just a reminder we do have some resources with this on our app we have um, which you can get in any app store we have all sorts of things but one of them are sermons and resources for romans and lots of things uh, we also have a romans untangled podcast at hope that our uh, founding senior pastor steve does after lots of years of studying romans he does it. it's really short and and really helpful just unpacks what he's learned about romans it's a great Um, uh, pairing. Is that the word? Like a fine wine uh, with our series. Also, we have these Roman uh, journals. Um, This is like the book of Romans and there's blank pages to write in. I I saw a lot of you even bringing them in today. These are for you. These are free. We have them out, I think, at communion tables or at least as you walk out. We have lots of them. We'd love for you to take one. It's a great way to study and kind of hold on to this thing in this little series we're doing um, together. Um, This uh, discussion today, this look at this passage, is diving into Romans 5, um, illustrates and shows something that's really important to Hope. So I know as we start the year, and um, just a great reminder for us here at Hope to remember kind of who we are at Hope. And Hope was started as a church that uh, desires to honor God by making fully devoted followers of Jesus. So our goal is to help people grow closer to Jesus and continue to grow closer to him until he returns. And how do we do that? The way we do that is through this phrase. You may have heard this. Hopefully you have. And this is the way we um, consider things here at Hope. We think about why we do things, why we have an event, uh, why we gather on Sunday. uh, And even personally, it's a way to maybe consider and assess where your life's at. And so we use these three words. It's the gospel and it's in community and that community is on mission. And so we think about this as we think about what does it look like for us to have the gospel changes, the good news of Jesus and what He's done, and who God is and who we are, and then we do that not alone, but we do that with others. That God's given us the church and each other to do that, to encourage each other, to to build each other up. Uh, to just walk beside each other, to suffer together, to rejoice together, to cry together. He's given us people to do that with and that we're not just people who gather and, and uh, encourage each other to, f- to follow Jesus, but we're also people who move together into our communities, into our lives, into our workplaces uh, and bring that good news. And so we're on a mission together. We're not just hiding somewhere together, waiting for Jesus to return, but we're together on a mission somewhere. And this is really at the heart of what hope is, and I think today uh, our passage really helps us define what that gospel is and how that gospel changes us and brings us together and puts us on a mission. So I'm excited uh, for this. I think today will be a helpful reminder of us uh, doing that. So we're in Romans 5. If you want to flip there in your Bibles or on your phones or wherever, you, or all the all the passages will be on the screen. Love for you to follow along as we read through this section here, uh, verses 1 through 11 in Romans 5. Uh, Let's just start, I'm going to read this whole passage to us here as we get going, and then we'll take time just to walk through it this morning. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. All right. A lot in there. Very excited, though. This has a, been a great, encouraging passage uh, for me. This is a passage that feels like sometimes in Scripture we hear um, theology or, uh, or who God is and who we are, uh, which is what we saw a lot in, in chapters uh, one through four, unpacking what it looked like to be uh, sinners and why that's important to understand because the good news is such good news if we understand that. And so in Romans 1 through 3, we looked at this uh, last week. We under- we looked at the quick overview this was that wrath was coming because we worship things other than God. We turn away from the, the person we were made to worship. Even even the Jew, who's God's people, that they've turned away. The people who have been given the law, they've also turned away. We're all in trouble And our rightness, our righteousness comes from a faith in Jesus and what he's done. He was willing to come, we hear today, come to those who are sinners, who are enemies, who are ungodly and willing to die, uh, take their consequence for this sin and die for them so that we could be made right, so we can be made in right relationship. And so our faith in Jesus's work is what brings us righteousness, which is really good news. And so out of that, hearing that good news, hearing all that it would be natural i think for a person to almost just uh, o- overflow to bubble over with an excitement and it, can you believe this incredible gift that we've been given In romans five at least the beginning here feels like a almost a pause in in the book of romans where paul just goes is not incredible these gifts that we've been given this is so good my friends and so I think that's what he's doing here. So you kind of picture it, that's what's happened here. He's explained this really good news that Jesus has done the work to make us right with God, and now he's he's that's kind of bubbling over, and we're hearing. Therefore, isn't this incredible? And today I want us to look at these great good gifts, these gospel gifts that come from here. He, he mentions um, lots of things, but four things really stood out that I want us just to see. These are the gifts that you have been given, that we've been given. This, this true news that wrath was coming to us because of our sin, but Christ decided to take that wrath on himself so that we would not. And now we're made right. Now we're called sons and daughters of God. There's some really incredible gifts that were given. And I have days where I um, often feel like I, everything's maybe going wrong or chaotic or uh, maybe just in general, considering like when was the last time I was given a gift? And it's hard to, to, to think about, even to consider And uh, today I just want us to be reminded of some really good gifts that we've been given to things that I so desire in my life that often feel there's a huge valley, uh, a huge gap between those and me realizing today God has actually given us to those, uh, given those things to us abundantly. So we're going to start right here in the beginning of Romans 5. Uh, The first one is that God has given us peace with himself, peace with God. So we've been justified by faith. We've put faith, we've turned to Jesus and said, you've done the work on the cross and you've risen from the grave and you've done it. And so because of that, I I believe that you've done that. I put my faith in you. That gives us a gift. We receive a gift of peace with God. That's a pretty big deal. Actually, Jesus uh, talks about this, even when he talks about peace a lot, but he talks about it in the gospel. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I'm going to leave peace with you. And Romans were reminded of this peace he gives us. He actually gives us peace by taking on chaos and, and death and really a war, right? He, he takes on on uh, destruction of himself so that we could be given peace, this is a, the phrasing of this is even important as we see it's peace with God. It's not like God said, uh, "I'm still really angry with you, but go have fun and enjoy some peace." It's actually a reconciliation of this relationship. So, actually, uh, Googled. I went some stock photos and I just said, like, uh, I think I said, "angry relationship" or something like that, and this photo came up, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. This is a very unrealistic moment, I assume. <laughs> If this is happening in your family, usually you're not sitting on the couch by each other. Usually <laughs> are sitting in different rooms, but uh it's, uh I think the representation, right? You feel it. You feel this like there's something, there's a tension there in a relationship. Some words have been spoken that were hurtful, maybe years and years of words that have been hurtful, actions that have been taken. There's something, uh I can't even look at you. And so... This is think about this. This is where we we're at with God. we were considered enemies. The language, this passage says we're ungodly. We we're enemies. We were wicked enemies with God. And it says one of the gifts that's received through faith in Christ is that we have been reconciled and we now have peace. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Isn't that so great? Now they're best friends or not. Or, or someone was like, be friends. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. We're friends now, everyone. That feels like that happens to the fake, but is that incredible? That just that I mean, really, right? We have peace now with God, with our Father in heaven. We have a great peace, a great rest in Him. Uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like maybe theologically, that makes sense maybe in my head. Uh, but you—that means the Creator of the universe, who you sinned against, who who owes you death, says. You're not my enemy in fact now you're my child uh, David maybe you feel unloved, uncared for does anyone care that I'm here our God says I want to be with you and I'm with you and I've made a way for that to happen. Augustine says you have this is a great from his confessions it says you have made us for yourself, O Lord and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Like I feel an often tension, restlessness, maybe a chaos around me. And I look to many other things to, to, to get me to that peace. And God has actually come himself, entered into chaos so that I could be settled. So I could be uh, restful. The one who made me uh, has made a way so I could rest again in him. What an incredible gift. Um, incredible. Our next gift. The next thing it, it shares with us, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, the grace of God, a gift that each day I need a reminder of, forgetting it, how quickly I think I need to access God only by doing more, uh, being more, looking a certain way, and he says, God. Uh, I want to give you this gift. I mean, grace itself is really a gift, but it's giving us this access to him. Almost a key to a door, right? A a door to grace, to a place of graciousness, to a, a place where we saw peace. We're going to see a place of hope and joy. He's given us this incredible grace. And I love the language here in which we stand. There's like a A foundational firmness to like I don't have to move from this I've been given a key and I've entered in and now I stand here makes me think of the story in Genesis 3 that ends later in the Gospels a story where Adam and Eve we first see sinning turning away from God and really in an act of grace instead of keeping them in his presence which uh, would have killed them he graciously uh, sends them out of the garden They've really lost access now to the presence of God, to be in in the garden in that way, intimately walking in the cool of the day with the Lord. He sends them out in his presence and his holiness and his rightness. He sends them out. And there's an angel there in Scripture we see, an angel with a sword that guards now the garden. This is the picture that we're given. Uh, And this is really important because later um, we see as Jesus is put on a cross... Right, the sin that's kept us away from God, Jesus comes and pays the price for that sin. He He gives us the key to enter back into that presence. And as he actually dies on a cross, it says the curtain of the temple was torn into granting access for God's people again. Now that's important because that, that place, that holy of holies in the temple was considered kind of like the garden. It was a place of God's presence, of his holiness, of his goodness, It was a place that we didn't get to enter, and it was guarded by a huge curtain. And that curtain actually traditionally would have uh, painted or sewn onto it images of an angel with swords to to represent that, to remind that sin has kept you from this this intense holiness and this presence of God. In that moment when Jesus dies, that curtain is torn, and it's a picture of now God, now there's access. Now you can enter in to this grace, to be healed, to be made right. In fact, in the passage we see here in Matthew, uh, a lot more is happening than just now I get to hang with God. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Just love that picture. It's a a door that actually opens to us into his presence. The earth shook and rocks split and the tombs broke open. Bodies of many holy people who had died there raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. You see this picture that's happening? This isn't uh, God just saying, like, cool stuff happened. Jesus dies, and then the the picture, the symbol of of uh, the door that, disc- that that made it not accessible tears open. And now God, not only do we have access to him, but he really seems to flood into the world and shake it. And not just shake it, but he shakes death loose People actually, the thing that happens is that people raise from the dead. And so this gift of grace is not just a a free gift of an opportunity to be in his presence, but it's a gift of being raised from the dead. It's a gift of resurrected people appearing to those around them. It's really a, a gift as we look at our hope here at Hope. It's a gift of people changed by the gospel, the good news that Christ raises dead people to life. Those people together, moving out and appearing to people around them. What a mission, huh? That you enter back into your town and people are hanging out and you go like, Hey, what's up? And they go, weren't you dead? <laughs> uh, yeah, Jesus raised me to life. Pretty sweet gospel uh, testimony, right? You got the coolest testimony in your small group. Oh, really? Jesus healed you that one time? He brought me back to de- to, to life, Right. It's incredible. It's this picture of this gospel and community on mission. And it's a picture of God's grace in that He has given us this life while we were dead people in our tombs. He rose, He raised us to life. Nothing we did. Those people didn't do anything in those tombs. They laid their dead. And then Christ was crucified on the cross, defeating death. And now we have access to God and are raised to life. It's just a, a beautiful picture of this grace that we have our our next gift is a joy of hope so we've obtained this access we have this peace and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God it's a hope that we have now because we aren't hopeless because our hope isn't in ourselves anymore and our work that we keep trying to do and it it just doesn't get me there doesn't get me to across that valley across that that deep valley that I can't get it doesn't necessarily get me to a future. It doesn't get me to to uh, to being loved or feeling love. It doesn't get me to bring in order or control the things. It doesn't often even bring me long lasting comfort or real fulfillment. But now we have a hope in something that does, right? And we rejoice in that thing that does. A story that really inspired us here that I love to share uh, at Hope Heights, a story that uh, comes from the book of Acts, is one that Shows this, what happens uh, when this happens and the joy that comes as people now have hope. This is a short story from the book of Acts and really a vision for what we have here at our own church. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went to a city. Now, people were being persecuted, uh, killed even for their faith. And so people scattered all over. And so Philip went to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. He went and shared who Jesus was, what had happened. He might have even been telling that story of, of when he died and and people were raised from the dead, right? he went and went. Do you understand what this gift is that we've been given? When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he had performed, so God was working through him and his power to with people. They all paid close attention to what he said. If you imagine he walks into a town, he starts proclaiming who Jesus is in his words and his deeds, and people gather around. And then it says, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So he's sharing the gospel, and what does the gospel do? It does the same thing it does all the time. This good news, this faith in Christ, as people turn to Philip, as he talks about Jesus, they're turning to Jesus, and the power of God pushes darkness out, pushes evil out of these people's lives. And so these people become healed, not just their physical bodies we see, those who are paralyzed and lame are healed, but also their hearts and their minds. So the gospel fully is making people whole again by pushing out death and darkness and bringing in light and life. And then what happens in that city? And there is great joy in that city. These people rejoiced. The same thing that we see in Romans, the, the gospel is proclaimed they're very aware i think of their sin the brokenness and now the gospel has come and healed them the free gift this grace and this peace and they rejoice because they have life now and because these this chaos and this brokenness these things that were hurting them <laughs> have now been pushed out and they've been healed what a picture of the gospel right this is the gospel going forth into a group of people into a community and changing those people no more tears life has been healed. Now, right, they're still waiting. We're all still waiting for Jesus to return. So probably this thing's returned in a sense, brokenness and still just like we experience, but we have a hope. We rejoice in a hope that we know this isn't the end, that, that Philip didn't come once and do this. And then he left town and they went, oh, I wish Philip could come back. They know that one day Jesus will come back and make all things right, which we know in the book of Revelation, he will heal things forever. And this hope that we have Actually, comes He actually expounds on it a little bit here in Romans. He doesn't just say, uh, we'll rejoice in hope, but he explains why this hope is so valuable. This is very encouraging to me this week. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. So he says, this hope actually comes in this way. Let me explain how this hope comes. It says you're going to be suffering and this hope can actually help you stand. If we go back to this passage about grace ahead of this, there's a standing, not moving. You're not going to be moved and shook by suffering in the same way when you don't have something outside of yourself. When it's just you trying to eliminate suffering or or something around you or other creation, it can still shake you. It can still move you. But there's something about the hope that is in Christ that is unmovable. And so when we have this hope, we can actually rejoice in our sufferings around us because that suffering and standing in that with the grace of God can actually produce an endurance in me. And that endurance actually is going to produce a character. It's going to actually like harden me in a good way. It's going to strengthen me. And that strength will produce a hope in me. This is where this hope bubbles up, is that the hope comes because it's really difficult. And being a human being is really hard. And you're like, so what do I do with this? And, and hope says, you actually have something outside of you that's going to rescue us from all this. It has right now, but one day none of this will exist. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. It will be pushed away, we'll be healed. And so we have something that we can hold on to. So when I'm right now suffering, I can endure it. And then that will actually strengthen me and strengthen my faith and who I am. And that will actually produce this hope. It's, it's this really cool gift. This word character here actually is a similar word that sometimes is used uh, when people are forging metals, which I love that idea, right? That, that thought there's this Uh, element if you think how we would make something out of metal it takes a little while and so there's this kind of suffering of it it gets heated up it gets hit with a hammer it gets put in water you know and then it gets heated again and it gets hammered slowly taking shape over time it doesn't just happen in a second it slowly shapes itself in into what it's supposed to be used for over time suffering and enduring that being shaped and one day being used. I, I like the uh, the picture. Years ago, someone told me to be a spoon. Uh, it, that's how it happened. I was hanging out with someone. And he said, hey, you should be a spoon. And I was like, oh, cool. Can you like give more, to <laughs> <expunge> that? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I don't want to cuddle with you if that's what you're <laughs> asking. Uh, and he said, you know, knives are for stabbing and, or knives are for cutting and forks are for stabbing and spoons are for serving. Oh, that makes more sense. Uh, you can't just go around telling people to be spoons. Uh, I love it though. That picture is so, so it's vivid for me of, uh, like to be someone who cuts or someone who stabs, or what if I was someone who was used to serve? What a picture of what a gospel changed person is. So I kind of, in this picture of a hopeful person, I often can picture this. I picture it as us being slowly formed into spoons into nice big metal serving spoons that we have to be heated up and hammered and and bent so that we slowly take this shape that can be used to serve those around us. And it's a shape that also brings us hope because we know that one day Christ will return and he's already taking care of all the things that we desire, that we look for. And this hope becomes such an anchor to hold us in the midst of suffering. I love that Paul connects hope to suffering. It's often connected in scripture to that. That's just a human condition. It's broken around us. What do we do with this? And he says, while you're suffering, that's not going to go away until Jesus returns. You will have a hope that will, though, draw you and pull you through. We even hear this, the book of Hebrews. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain or our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. There's a picture of our our grace there, right? Jesus has entered in that curtain. He's actually torn that curtain so that we can enter there. Our last gift, we have the peace of God and the grace of God that we're given, the joy of hope, all things are foundational to why I exist, what I want each day in my life. God gives us one that uh, will change us if we believe and know this is true. He gives us the love of God. It says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. How, how does this happen? Why does God give this to us? Well, who, who paid for this? How, who paid for this gift that I just got? These are incredible gifts. Have you ever received a gift that you were like, whoa, no one told you there was a limit? I've been in a gift exchange where some, one person uh, missed the email, like that we're all spending 10 bucks. Uh, it's like the episode of The Office when the <laughs> Ryan buys the iPad. Uh or whatever, Michael buys, it's like they bought like a nice watch. And you're like, oh, cool. We all got gift cards to Caribou. And the one guy got a watch. Uh, Like who paid for this? This is so nice. Why? Why would you give me such a nice gift? This is very true, friends. We got to hear this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for us, ungodly. The one who scarcely died for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person you'd dare to die. So, I mean, who dies for, people barely ever die for good people, nice people, people they like. Perhaps uh, for a good person you'd dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. This is the gospel in one verse. He shows his love for us. He cares for you, loves you so deeply that while we were sinners, Christ dies for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall be saved by him through the, uh, from the wrath of God. His deep love for you is what? His care for you. It's not out of just an obligation of like, oh, these silly kids. I got to bail them out again. He didn't get a call at work and was like, oh, my kids are in trouble at school. I got to bail them out. Otherwise, we're going to get kicked out of school again. He loves you deeply. It was his pleasure to move towards you and love you. Um, Thomas L. Holt says it this way for God's love commends itself in this that Christ died for us while we were still weak still sinners, still godless, still enemies he looked at his enemies he said I love you so much I'm willing my son to die for you so I could be right in relationship with you I could have peace with you God's love has therefore not waited for us to get right has come to meet us just as we are. No one would want to die for a wicked person. No one but Christ. That's the gospel. That's the gift. We've been given these incredible gifts of peace with God, of grace, the grace of God, of joy, of hope, a love of God. These are the things that each day I desire. These are the reasons I run to other things, that I make idols out of other things, that I, I turn really my worship in life to things at times. Or I spend my money on things. I spend my time on things. I spend a lot of energy on things because I so want peace. I so want grace. I need a little break. I'm trying my hardest and I can't do it. I need some hope and joy in my life. And and oh, I need to know that I'm beloved. That, That someone approves of me and cares for me deeply, so deeply they would give themselves this is the gospel that we get to carry together as a community into our world around us this is really good news for everyone because we're all looking for this tim uh keller says it uh this way the christian gospel is that i am so flawed that jesus had to die for me yet i'm so loved and valued that jesus was glad to die for me you hear that we are so flawed that jesus had to die for me and I'm so loved by him that he was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. So when we understand both sides of that, you're deeply flawed and you're deeply loved, it makes us, it humbles us and it gives us the confidence in, in the love we have. It undermines both swaggering and sniveling. I cannot feel superior to anyone and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone I do not think more of myself nor less of myself. Instead, I think of myself less. I like that. It's not you're terrible, you're you're garbage, you're worthless because you're such a sinner. And it's not just you're loved and you're wonderful and, and God cares for you deeply. It's both. And that humbles us. At the same time, it gives us confidence. This picture is helpful for me. Um, these are the different ways sometimes I react. And so if I just go, the problem is we're sinners and things are broken and God is really holy and good and right and just. And so there's a disconnect there, right? And so what I can do then to try to solve that is one of these three ways, non-gospel ways, is I can make myself really big. I'm really giant. And then God is really small. He's not really holy. He's kind of just out there somewhere. And if I need him, I can ask him for things. I I really can do all things, right? Or if you go all over the other side, I can say, God is really holy and I'm really nothing. This is a very hopeless place. If you're very aware of sin and very unaware of God, you you forget God has actually made you in his image and cares for you and loves you. So you just think I'm kind of nothing, and God is everything. And it and we just gather to talk about how terrible we are and how good. God is and not know that God actually loves us deeply and is using us. He's actually uh, made us as his, his workmanship. It says he's going to use our community, and our church to help others know who he is. He doesn't just leave us and says, you're, you're nothing. Or sometimes I think often I just say we're the same. I'm God. I do all those things. I can ultimately complete all these things in my life to bring hope and grace and love to the ultimate to fulfill myself. I'm just God. I just look within myself, and I find all these things. When instead, right, we find ourselves in this place. So we're talking about all morning is us and God seem to be separated. This is an old, old image, right? That maybe many of you have seen. It might have been part of you even coming to know Jesus this picture of us and God in this separation. And I so want to get over there, and I cannot. And uh, spent a little too long photoshopping this week, but Jesus builds this bridge. To us, right? He comes and he says, I'm going to move towards you. You're you're not making it here. I'm going to come towards you because I want to be in relationship with you. And he builds us a bridge and it allows us to move to our God. The things we've always desired, our order, our future, our purpose, our belonging, our security, our safety, to be loved has been fulfilled. And it's free given to us. And Romans one through four says, all God's asking you to do is turn to him and say, yes, thank you. Uh, and receive this great gift of peace and grace and hope and joy and love. I have a little homework for you here as we wrap up. I want to invite the worship team to come up. I have a little, a uh, little bit of homework for us. I would love for you this week to read. I read this week, Mark 4 through 5. It's a story of Jesus calming the sea, bringing peace to the sea. It's the story of Jesus uh, healing a man out of a tomb who was isolated from his community, who was cast out because he was demon-possessed, and Jesus sending those demons into pigs that die. It's this great picture of the gospel. And then he tells the man, go tell others this great news that you now have uh, become alive again and whole again. And it's a story, one of the best, where Jesus heals the the um, ill, sick woman, and then he goes and raises a, a girl from the dead. I encourage you to speak. I, I know th- uh, lately, especially right now this time, like the a new season, is when my uh, like uptick in questions about like, hey, I want to get back into Bible reading. I'm not sure how to get back into it. Um, so this week, let's do this together. Read Mark 4 through 5. It doesn't take very long. Maybe read it a few times, maybe a few translations, and just sit in it and see the incredible story of God taking broken people, sick people, dead people, and making them alive. And when you read that, I want you to sit and go, how incredible, and be reminded that is your story of a God who has taken us while we were still sinners, and made us alive in Christ. And this is the story that we carry, Hope, each day. This is why we gather, is so that that gospel would change us. we do that together and remind each other of that, and then together we could bring that wherever we go. Whether that's we actually gather up together and go to Seca and serve food together, or that's just you heading to work each day and bringing that gospel with you, appearing to those around you a person who's alive, who's been made alive by the gospel we're going to take some time to just worship our god uh, and continue worshiping here as a couple questions to consider as we do that do you know jesus the one who brings us the gifts of the gospel that's that's real step one turning and saying yes i believe it's true you've done this through your work and i want to put my faith in you maybe consider which gift is hardest to feel in your life right now what which one is like that's great drew but not feeling a lot of peace in my life or grace or hope or love. It's okay. Say, what is that? Maybe think, why, why is that? Maybe just pray. God, I'm not feeling your grace right now. I'm not feeling hopeful. Um, and ask him to continue to give that to you. I ask you who is in your gospel community. Who are the people who you are on mission with? Who are the people who remind you of this good news? Um, oh, I, I need those people often, every day. And so who are those people that do this together? We cannot do this alone. And then how does the gospel overflow even in your life? Who even joins you in that overflow or that mission as you're filled with that, as you see the joy and experience the joy? Who, uh, How does that look in your life? Um, where do you see that in your life? That's a great thing to ask friends to even consider with you, doing with you. Let me pray for us and we'll, con- we'll continue worshiping here. Um, there is communion out. In the hallways, if you uh, would like to take communion as an opportunity to remember the broken body and Jesus' bloodshed, we ask not that you're a member of hope, but just that you follow Jesus so that's impactful to you. You can do that either side of the uh, in the hallway. Um, also, you can have an opportunity to be prayed for. There'll be people in the back of the room who would love to pray for you for anything. Um, and we're going to sing together, sing words, gospel words, to remind our hearts and the people around us, hearts, of this good news Uh, And you can always give in response. You can do that out in a, there's a black box outside, or you can give um, through the app or on on our website. Let me pray for us. Lord, uh, you have given us such good gifts, many specific gifts in my family, in my church, in in my friends, my community, and very simple breath. Um, But all these, these gifts of peace and grace and joy and hope and, this gift of love um, goes so deep. Uh, I pray it would heal our hearts. It would be a, a balm to hurting broken people that and it would um, empower us. It would bring life to us. Uh, it would make us lights. So as we appear to people around us, this good news uh, would be heard. And we would see people healed physically and spiritually uh, we he- we see hearts being healed around us because of this good news that changes us i pray that we'd bring this gift to many uh, and we'd see many receive it i pray this in your good name amen